And welcome to Catholics Coast to Coast, your chance to get a sample of what's happening in the great podcast world, available anytime, anywhere at our Podcast Central section when you go to EWTNRadio.net. I'm your host, Ace McKay, ready to encourage you this week as we dive straight in with Pre-Cana with the Pope, emerging podcast not only with their team, but the team from Saints Alive. Alex and Melissa join the conversation to talk about better ways that your marriage can improve through your faith. So we'll dive right in with this week's Catholics Coast to Coast. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We're so excited to have our special guest tonight. We have the creators of Saints Alive, Alex and Melissa D. Um, They are talented and creative and um, I'm so excited to just hear their story. They are another podcasting married couple, so we just want to Honestly, this is just selfless. We just wanted to we're have a just, conversation. We're just hanging out and you guys get to listen. <laughs> so, um, so, guys, thank you so much for uh, staying up late with us tonight. I know with little babies, this is, um, you know, exhausting, but we appreciate because, you know, this is also the quietest time to try to get something done. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the only time. This is yeah. the only time. Yeah. yeah. No, we're so happy. Yeah, this, this is, is so, so much fun. fun. Thank you guys yeah. for inviting us. This is great. This is like, uh, I don't know. I feel like we're on like a little double date somewhere, but it's right here on Riverside. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess I'm going to use that as um, like a popcorn question, but um, what was your first date? Can you tell us a little bit about your first date? Hmm. <sighs> Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Listen, you, you're well, so I don't much know. better than me. What do you consider a first date? The ball. Oh wow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, Alex and I, um, his family moved to my hometown like 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and our moms tried to set us up for 10 years. Um, yeah. They did like family cookouts <laughs> and all this different stuff, and then finally, we were um, always dating other people. Yeah, we date yeah. or just like. I don't know. I just wrote you off as conceited because you're handsome. <laughs> and, Might have been um, the same with me. <laughs> um, and then when we didn't know we were getting set up, it worked. So um, we went. I was invited to his sister's wedding, and I didn't really know her, but I love weddings. And I went, and we danced the night away. And then he flew back to LA, and I didn't hear from him for three months. That's bad. And yeah, then it's a scar he, on my record. Yeah, that's so sad. <laughs> but um, our first date. But then he he really like swept me off my feet because our first date he asked if I wanted to go to the ball with him, like like black tie gown, like mm. gala ball. And I was like, okay. So we went to the ball, and then that was it. And the ball was like it was like a fundraiser. Yeah, it was a fundraiser. Yeah, it was like, but in still, case they don't know, it was very but, fancy. <laughs> but it was wow. fun. Yeah. And, uh, well, yeah, he knew he liked by... you in a dress. Yes. <laughs> was, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was surrounded by every single um, older married couple that I had once babysat for on my first date. I was like, oh my gosh, what is <laughs> happening? Funny. Yeah, it's a small. Were they all like? Yeah. Taking notes and like sending messages back to your parents, like it finally happened. Yes, they were. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a very Alex small D town. and Melissa Buckley. <laughs> it's finally oh, happened. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you guys, so you guys grew up near each other, and then, um, so tell us a little bit more about that because I know I know a little bit of background, but I don't think all of our listeners do. You guys yeah. always did, didn't always live near each other. No, yeah. So I grew up upstate New York. And then my family moved here, yeah, about like 12 years ago. Oh, 
We have our little oh, special guest. Special guest. <laughs> yeah, the little daughter making a special appearance. Cameo. <laughs> She's she, she loves these stories. Um, but yeah, so I moved to Vermont in college. And yeah, so we just kind of knew of each other. We were always kind of in the same circles. Her brother-in-law tried to recruit me to do focus at one point and mm-hmm. you came in my came over here to the house and we're like, you should do focus. And I was yeah. Like, and yeah. I went, I remember I was sitting next to Alex and then we walked out and I was like, he was wearing suspenders, right? <laughs> I was really, yeah, was. I went through this like really weird phase in college <laughs> where like I was super into Mumford and Sons. I love Mumford and Sons still, mm-hmm. but um, I was, <laughs> I like took it to like the nth degree and was like always wearing <laughs> leather suspenders. Yeah. They were it was bad. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I still have them. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Oh my god. Um, so that's for uh, next date night, guys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man, it was. I I look back now and I'm like, what was I thinking? Yeah. I don't know why you even gave me a chance. Well, the suspenders weren't on when I met you this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And then, um, so I don't want to give away too much. I want to hear from you guys, but. I'm I'm a super fan, so I'm sorry. I've listened to some of your other interviews and things like that. But um, so you guys have teamed up to do um, Saints Alive. But mm-hmm. before all that, you were doing a lot of really creative stuff as well. Alex, can you share a little bit about yeah yeah your exciting background? Yeah, my journey. Um, so I moved out to LA in 2015. I pursued acting and filmmaking before that period as well. But I really felt called to go out to Los Angeles. I had just signed with managers and I really thought like, thought I like made it. I was like, okay, it's time to go to LA. So um, moved out to LA and really struggled. <laughs> I could learn really quickly that um, there wasn't many projects that a devout Catholic guy could do. Um, and so I learned quickly that I was going to have to be part of this resurgence and resistance in storytelling to get really quality, powerful storytelling made in the film space. And so I, I started learning everything I could about production and film and writing and directing. And <clears throat> so I had known the acting bit, so I kept doing that, but I wanted to know everything and uh so that's what i did i started doing that as much as i could and our my our other co-founder tanner kalina i met him and we just befriended each other and we were kind of each other's wingmen in the in the business to keep each other sane and we just you know we dreamed big and we're like you know we're gonna have to like really figure out how to redeem this industry and you know how does god want to use us and that led to like, you know, I was not perfect. We did so many stupid things of like, <laughs> just like being like, we're going to become Instagram famous. That's going to be the way that we make it into the business. <laughs> and we did that and just wasted a lot of time. Um, but then um, I ended up getting, uh, an, I ended up having like an injury basically from an autoimmune disease that I have. And I, for a period of time, I wasn't able to uh, walk after and i was and i was like bartending so i was pretty thrown for a loop because i was like how am i gonna live out here and pay my bills if i can't stand after a shift of bartending um and so thanks be to god i'm doing much better today but he um 
you know, he moved me to take a job that I never thought I would. And that was being, being an editor on a film about uh, a priest named Venerable Father Patrick Payton. And um, the film was called, it's called Pray, the story of Patrick Payton. And it was a very humbling experience because like, I was nowhere near, <laughs> Mia's giving some input here, um, but I was nowhere, nowhere near the, like in front of the screen, in front of the camera. And it was like just, a, it was a big change for me. Did you guys come up with the idea for Saints Alive before kids or after? After. After. After, after kids. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was a direct <clears throat> result of having kids. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, tell us yeah. more. Yeah. Um, I think like you just like, you know how toxic the culture is, you know, and you see those effects and then you're holding your baby in your arms and you feel the responsibility and mm. you're like, it is my job to not just protect them from the culture, but uplift them with goodness. Mm. Like, how are we going to do this? Um, and we have nieces and nephews too. And we just saw that there was a need. Mm. Um, but it definitely like, I think having a kid is a kick in the pants, like to get you into motion in so many different ways. And, um, it's funny because I feel like people are like, Oh, your life goes on. You know, you don't start your life or know, your life stops when you have kids or whatever that mm. ridiculous yeah. phrase is. And it really, I mean, it challenges you every single day to want to do more yeah. and mm -hmm. be more. And yeah, it was definitely a direct result. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Saw... Sorry. No, you go. No, no. <laughs> no I was going to say like, everything is like crystallized when you have kids. Yeah. Like everything, yeah. every sort of, you know, thought that you were before changes and it reflects this new being that you're responsible for. And it's, it's mm. just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What was that conversation like? Like after, um, after having the first and then trying to come up with this idea? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a long winded <laughs> answer, but I feel like I should give you the full picture. So yeah. Podcast, um, long form content. We're, we're here <laughs> yeah, for it. <laughs> um, so Alex had this really incredible um, drive to tell stories and I'm a nurse. Like that's my job. I'm off right now. I had a baby, but, um, I am a control freak and, in a good way, uh, sometimes a bad way, but I, <laughs> yeah, that's why we're, you know, we compliment each other. Yeah. But, um, once we had a baby, I, and we were in LA, so I moved out there because you can be a nurse anywhere and you can't act everywhere. And, um, I was like, okay, you're going to give this up now. Right. Like we're all done. We have a baby. And he was like, I like, no, like this is like, this is a desire that's been placed on my heart. And I really just saw it as selfish, um, in that first year of our marriage. Um, and so it was, it was really through praying the rosary that I came around and understood that he wasn't being selfish and that this was a good desire. And then COVID hit and we were like, he was like, okay, you're right. We got to get out. And we got out, but when we did, I promised him that I would help him with his career. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, but I was like, I promise you, you will keep telling stories. And I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to do that as a nurse, but we're going to figure it out. And then it was just, it was really just God at work in our life, you know? 
Um, and yeah. then about a year later after that, we got home, we lived with family and Tanner was visiting our best friend and he and Alex were just like off shooting all these ideas. And it's like, you guys, we got to do something like, this is crazy. You can't just keep talking about ideas. And, um, I think it was just the Holy spirit and it was just yeah. like there and it just kind of fell into place. Yeah. And there is always this desire to tell stories of the saints in my heart. And, um, I had to give credit where credit is due. I always do this, but like the idea of telling saint stories in radio drama form came from my mom. She, well, she was always on me as an actor and like filmmaker to like, you know, Alex, like you could, you could make a movie about like this saint and that saint. I was like, yeah, I would love to mom, but they are so expensive to make because they're mostly like, yeah, I want to do St. Joan of Arc and I want to have a battle scene. I don't want to like, have people dressed up in, you know, bath sheets and, you know, having them <laughs> with tinfoil swords. So the budget has always been like the thing that's an issue. And then, um, you know, podcasting became, you know, kind of started exploding and it's been growing. And I just realized that I was like, you know, like this should, this could be something that'd be really helpful for families. And I would love to be able to tell these stories in a ways that gets kids inspired about the faith. You know, and, you know, because I, I just think about growing up, like if I had, you know, inspiring stories, bless you, Mia, if I had inspiring stories of the saints as much as I loved Spider-Man, like that would have been incredible, mm-hmm. you know, and these saints are actual real superheroes, like they're real and they did incredible things and their stories are so pow- powerful, like they need to be told. So that's what... Bore, you know, I thought that idea got boring. Yeah. We just went from there. Long-winded answer. Yeah. Said. <laughs> no, that was great. Well, it's, it's it's funny you mentioned the Spider-Man thing because I think you nailed the tone of the stories. Like it just mm. it because it especially for our 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 kids. I think we've talked about it on other episodes. Like our kids love superheroes and they loved the early Marvel things. We can. Mm-hmm. Not talk about the current Marvel things, but the early Marvel <laughs> things they were very into, um, yeah. and the and then like it was a very like seamless for them. Just like that, the tone for your show was yeah, these are superheroes, and like they they love the stories, and they're just so into it. Um, Monica obviously listens to it more than I do because she's with the kids when they do it, and um, but whenever I do get to l- hear them, it's can we listen to that? Can we listen to this episode again? And they're just they they mm-hmm. they love it because so you've definitely been able to. Um, like, I don't know, hit the goal that you guys went for. Cause you've definitely influenced our kids and their love of the saints. Yeah. Um, so you kind of were talking about your complementarity of, of like the dreams and the ideas and then the like, mm-hmm. okay, now let's like, let's actually do that. How have you seen that? Like complementarity, your personalities just alive in your own marriage. Like we, mm-hmm. you, you tell great saint stories, but hopefully one day like our story for our family is like a glory story, a saint story. So like, how is that playing out in your marriage? I mean, creating saints alive has been outside of having kids has been the most incredible thing to do in our marriage. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's like a microscope onto our personalities (laughs) because, Um, like I said, I'm a little bit of a control freak. Um, and you know, just having to like rein that in and let imperfection be there is hard for me or criticism or, um, yeah, just like more of a creative side. And Alex is very much a creative, but 
has a harder time staying focused. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, that's like, that's the normal thing. Like Melissa, like she doesn't realize that like, <laughs> <laughs> like create creatives are by definition, like not as focused as people who are, <laughs> who, who are. I don't like, understand what you're saying right now. <laughs> I just don't understand. Because <laughs> the creative process is one that requires like tremendous possibilities. And like, so when I'm like, She's excited. She's not buying it. She's not buying it. She's like, Dad, no, mom is right. But I'm gonna offer a defense here for creative people. And it's but it's it's also our cross. Like, um, like we see like possibilities, you know, and so it's more like it's harder for creative people to then then take the possibilities and then and then make the path. But that's where like we operate really well together because i'm like well what about this 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 and this and then you're like okay well what's the most practical thing i was like okay let's just do that and um and so i think that that's been one of the main things that we've realized is just like our different strengths and how to use them for each other and not be like oh she's just trying to cut me down because i want to (laughs) do 10 different things right now instead of just one simple one yeah i think that those things are kind of like like really great and practical in like the day-to-day but I think the reality of like why this has been so fruitful for our marriage, this is my daughter making everything. <laughs> I, I is, really um, <laughs> <laughs> she really is usually pretty quiet. Yeah, she's, she's a lot to say. To uh, she's got a lot to listen, say. this is her first. This is her first guest appearance, and she's yeah. going to make sure that everyone so, knows about it. So her brother today was on local access television, yeah. um, helping train dogs for the blind. And now she's on Pre-Canary yeah, the Pope. exactly. Making the rounds. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is that, like, so that's kind of, like, the practical day-to-day. But I think the reality is that we took a leap together in our marriage. Um, and, like, you know, every time you're open to life or you have a baby or you make a move or you change a job, you're making a leap. Um, but this was the biggest leap. This was a huge unknown. We had no idea what was going to happen. Um the first episode took six months to make just one. <laughs> and then we were wow. like, oh my gosh, what, what are have we, we doing? gotten ourselves into? <laughs> um, and it's, it's been a continual leap. It's like, we've had a lot of success, praise God. And I think a lot of people may be like, oh, like, you know, they took the leap and people like it. And, but it's kind of that continual, like, where are you leading us, Lord? You know, mm-hmm. and it's not been easy, you know, like it's been a lot of hard work and late nights and, wondering like what are we doing (laughs) yeah where are we going with this and um you know god has just rewarded us so abundantly um Mm. and i think just like sustained us because of that leap of faith but taking it together has has really been incredible yeah yeah it's it's easy to look at what you do and like it's probably easy for people to look at like saints alive and be like oh my gosh like it looks like so smooth and it must have been like really it's simple nice. to put everything together. And like, they must have just had like, you know, a lot of things. It, it's not that, you know, like we've had to learn a lot about each way. other, the know, wrong way, the wrong way. Yeah. And, but we've, we've learned a lot about who we are yeah. in yeah. our marriage, you know? Yeah. yeah. I hope this isn't too intimate of a question, but like in those times of like self doubt, or this is, you know, I'm, I'm hitting a wall or this is an obstacle or, um, or even just like the next, like, okay, God is calling us to something. 
What are those like intimate moments like? Like, okay, the the mics are off. Not like you're not being watched, but like just the two of you. Like, how do you guys process that? Like, what is that like mm. for you as a couple to kind of go through that? Because we just cry when, it, when, <laughs> when those moments hit. Like, it's just like we I don't do know what's too. happening. <laughs> <laughs> There's been many tears. Yeah, There's I mean, I think that it also we've learned to communicate better. Um, yeah, like. We and I don't, we always say like we didn't know how to fight when we first got married, you know. And I think we didn't know how to fight, but we also didn't know how to talk, you mm-hmm. know. And mm-hmm. so just times being like, I'm overwhelmed. I I need to sleep. I don't know what to do. Um, and then you know, one of us is always kind of like reigning in the other. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's a married thing where like when one is struggling, the other rises to the occasion. Um, sort of like okay, we're taking the day at a time. This is all we can get through. How can we delegate? How can we cut back? How can we, you know, and um, yeah, my, my perfectionism has been like slaughtered because <laughs> you just mm. can't, um, it's never going to be perfect, you know, and if we wanted an episode to be perfect, it would take us three years to make and that would be it, you know. Well, we would never make an episode. Or we would never make it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I think yeah. the main thing I don't know that we come back, I don't know that I come back to is just like, when we really are struggling, like the only thing that gets me through is like prayer, mm-hmm. you know, um, we say a rosary every night. I say, I mean, sometimes I do it for, for you because you're I was like, pregnant. I kind of wimped out the like, rosary a little bit. Well, yeah, but I took that on <laughs> so you deserve not to worry. You deserve to go to sleep now, pray. But like prayer is a huge thing. Um, I don't know though. Cause like we, I, I wish I had a simple answer, but I really don't. I think like the only thing that I come back to continually is just like realizing that we can't know everything. And like, you know, there's going to be some unknowns within doing anything that you take a leap for and to take that in a, in a moment and just trust, you know? And I think to also realize that like, if you're going, if we're going through a stressful time with it, you know, We always, I always try to remember that like Melissa and I are on the same team. Like it's not Mm. like, even if we have a different idea about something or we're like confused about something, if it's like a legal thing or if it's a creative thing or anything like that, we're on the same team. And that like, even though like we may be butting heads about something (laughs) um, or confused about something that like, we just need to remember that and come closer in the end. Like there's not... I don't think we've ever like left a fight being ever further apart. Like it's always, we've always yeah. come closer. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I also just want to say like those moments happen, like they mm-hmm. happen and you can't really, you don't know when they're going to come and they hit you and you just have to kind of figure out how to, how to surf the wave, not let yourself get mm. taken down by it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. But yeah. it's still scary, you know, and popping up on the wave is not easy. <laughs> yeah. That's an LA reference. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It goes over my head. Yeah. Um, Surfing. No, if Tanner I- was here, he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love, as a fellow recovering perfectionist, um, I love your point about um, like just learning how to fight and how learning how to communicate and like that. Um, that we can disagree, but we can still like be kind, right? The way that we mm. face this, we have to just um, try to do a better job of 
explaining ourselves or articulating, like I'm overwhelmed, like identifying how we feel and being kinder. Mm -hmm. But um, Mm -hmm. I also really appreciate your point, Alex, about being on the same team that like, Mm -hmm. even though our ideas may be in opposition, our overall goal, like our end goal here is the same. And it's like, how Mm -hmm. do we, how do we get from those two places to the goal? Mm Mm-hmm. You're, you have, I'm thinking, you, oh, have, you have wheels turning. There's something I, I over always, there. I always look over there when I'm thinking, well, because I don't want to look at you because then I'm not thinking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's a thought bubble up there. Somewhere. No, so because I liked, because you both were, we both touched upon this about the idea of, of, of taking a leap and trusting. And, and um, my thought first was there's so many young people. And like, granted, if older people are listening, they're like, what are you, you guys are young people, well, younger than us <laughs> who are, who are either dating or, you know, young adults who are, you know, not even sure how to date anymore because there's so, um, there's a lot of fear, at least from what I know that marriages won't work out. Marriage is so difficult. We can't do this. Um, and like, I, I, I don't know, you, you kind of touched on upon it a little bit. So I wanted to know if you could touch upon it a little bit more about the idea of like how you compare the, the, the leap you took in starting Saints Alive with, with the leaps you've taken within marriage of just getting mm-hmm. married, having children, you know, where do you end up living? Like there's so many leaps that I think that happen that so many of us are scared to take. Um, yeah. So is, is there anything you could teach us about just, just jumping in? Cause it, you know, starting a podcast like yours is not something you can just do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, something that we heard in our, we did not have great pre-Cana. Um, yeah, we did not have pre-Cana with the Pope. And I wish your podcast <laughs> had been out when we were in pre-Cana. But I think the one really great thing that we heard is that there are two types of marriages, hard and impossible. <laughs> and mm, it's hard. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, there's the cliche of like, you're never going to be ready to have kids. You're never, you know, and it's true, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but something that, has really resonated with me is that I don't think I really had my head wrapped around the reality that sainthood is the goal, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted comfort. I just wanted like the picket fence and the nine to five (laughs) and, you know, just like nothing crazy, but I just wanted kids and a husband and a family and that's such a good thing but at the same time I did not want discomfort you know I did not I did not want like late nights working I didn't want all these things that our life is now that is so much more life-giving and joyful and fun and hard than I thought great conversation about marriage this week with Precana with the Pope. That's just a sample of what you get. If you want to hear the full conversation or check out previous or future episodes, it's always available to you anytime, anywhere at Podcast Central when you go to EWTNRadio.net. Now we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, grab a pint because Pints with Aquinas is bringing in pro-life warrior and author Dr. Lila Rose about abortion and how this generation deals with red pill dating. And then what is true, authentic masculinity? We're going to get all those answers and more as we return with Catholics Coast to Coast. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN Radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central. 
It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. Grab a pint because Pints with Aquinas is bringing in pro-life warrior and author Dr. Lila Rose about abortion and how this generation deals with red pill dating. And then what is true, authentic masculinity? We're going to get all those answers and more with this week's Catholics Coast to Coast. We're live. Live, Dr. Lila Rose. What up? Dr. Matt Frett. <laughs> uh, so what happened? How did that happen? <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. Beats me. I mean, so I was in, well, we are in Steubenville, as everybody knows, right? Do people know that's where you film or did I just They're pretty clear. I mentioned Steubenville Sorry. every single <laughs> okay. episode and encourage every family to move here. So. Anyways, I was shocked really when the Franciscan University of Steubenville invited me to give the commencement speech mm-hmm. and they gave me an honorary doctorate. So did they do that on stage to surprise you? Yeah, I wore the robe and everything. And I had the tassel and the cat. And and it was particularly funny when I got the invitation because I wasn't, I went to UCLA and I wasn't sure if I had graduated afterwards because I was short one unit. Uh And then I finished the class and I submitted it and it said I graduated online, but I never got the the diploma in the mail. Mm -hmm. So for years I was like, maybe I never graduated. And then when I got like Franciscan emailed me. I was like, oh, I'm going to finally get my degree. So how does that work? So they said, we want to give you an honorary doctorate. And you had to give the commencement. Well, you have one too. Yeah. Don't you? An so honorary you know doctorate is like a fancy sticker, like a star. Listen, it and felt, it felt so exciting today, Matt. No. <laughs> it's nothing you can brag about. I know, I know. But it's something that other people can say about you, but you're not allowed to claim it. Yeah, my it husband it... now calls me Dr. Lila. So <laughs> I'm like, okay. So Lila, the best advice I ever got on writing a book was to write drunk and edit sober. Not actually drunk, mm. but to just not care what comes out uh, and to to write like 500 to 1,000 words a day and just and then then begin to work on it. How did you how did you come? I did that. Book? I just I was like, just put it out, just mm-hmm. wrote it, a bunch of junk. And then I sent it to an editor. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I had to do a lot of edits, too. But yeah. I also had there was an editor that I had a oh, professional yeah. editor and I was like, no, I'm sure there are folks yeah. who, who... I was like... Like, I'm sure people I think like, the professional editor, yeah. that's the skill set right there. Because I wrote... I mean, I have, like, my own little personal stuff in there, but as far as, like, helping make sure, oh, this is, is this cohesive? You brought this up in Chapter 3 and you, you never said anything about it again. And, yeah. You know, like, you should put some... Like, seeing the big picture of the book instead of the immediate so this whatever what, you happen to be stream of conscious putting down. I wrote a book called How to Be Happy, and I gave it to Emmaus. I Matthew Kelly wrote that. <laughs> it sounds like something he'd write, but no, I wrote it. I'm not, that's not a roast. It's a great, it's a great title. <laughs> and I gave it, to, I still haven't figured it out, but I gave it to uh, Emmaus, and I'm like, look at me, look at me in the eyeballs. I will not edit do any book. more edits. You can take it, make it better. Or just give it back yeah. to me. I, just, it's I painful. had nothing left in Honestly, me. Honestly, writing my book was more painful than giving birth to my son, wow. my first son, which was a 24-hour unmedicated natural delivery. Bless you, sister. And writing my book was harder. <laughs> <laughs> I often say that receiving my book for the first time was better than receiving my, my firstborn. Well, that's, that's a little... <laughs> I don't mean that. But there's something analogous to it. Like, oh my gosh, look at it. It's so beautiful. And that's a lovely front cover. It helps that you're a pretty woman. I don't think they would want my my head on my porn book. For well, we, sure. we had it. It was during it was during COVID. So that was weird. Although it would too. turn folks off. They could just look at the front cover whenever tempted. Keep going. What were you saying? I was just gonna say it was during COVID. So we had like the whole photo shoot thing during COVID was super weird. Yeah. But anyways, it, it, you don't even it have a mask out. on. 
I know. I almost wore one, but it's like. Mm. Praise God. Mm. Well, what do you want to talk about? Because I could ask you a bunch of stuff about abortion, but. Well, one thing I was talking about recently on my podcast with Ruslan. Hey, Ruslan. Ruslan. Is that his name? Yeah. I like that Great guy. I like him a lot. incredibly talented. Very sharp. You watch his YouTube channel and you're like, I'm just going to quit because I will never hit his level. It should encourage you to greatness. It should, but I'm old and it doesn't anymore. (laughs) Now I just want to go home. Just have him come in on your podcast and just have him talk to you. I might. Well, anyways, we were talking about red pills. And I did a podcast this past week where we were talking about basically the red pill stuff. So that's that's something that I have my eye on a lot because right, I is, feel like. Talk about it. Do you know what red pill is? I mean, I think I know what you mean, like the Matrix red pill, blue pill thing, or is like it something Andrew, different? Have you heard of Andrew Tate? Okay, what is the red okay. pill thing? What is the Matrix? I'm quickly, sorry, I'm going to Gen do it. Z boy over there. Tell me about the blue pill. So the, the it does come from the Matrix. Um, the red pill just refers to when you wake up yeah. on something. It gets used a lot in manosphere to mean waking up to like the problem of women in society but ah. it's it's also taken on a larger thing like you get red pilled on abortion or you yes, get yes. red no, pilled I, on I the trans issue yeah. or you get red pilled on i just didn't know if it was something different to just but you it's wake like up red to pill dating i think is the oh is yeah the genre that, guy, that i'm whew. talking about which is it's just kind of a big and growing genre okay and i think it's like the counterpoint to kind of like i don't know you could argue like far left there are no genders dating uh-huh. which is kind of like how do you date when there's no gen? Like, what does dating look like in a mm-hmm. endless, sexless. endless, sexless world? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like the, I would say the counter balance to that. Not balance. It's kind of the response to that, reaction to that. Yeah. And it has its own toxicity because of that. I think. Okay. Yeah, I saw something the other day. Who's that Sheila on PragerU? She's a black girl. <laughs> What's her name? What a Ashila. Amalana? Amalana? Oh, you got to say it louder. Ashila is an Australian term for girl. Okay. Sheila. Oh, that's not a demeaning term, by the way. That just means lady. Anyway, she's lovely, this girl. Mm -hmm. I really liked her. And um, she she played a video where this fella was saying that fidelity looks different between men and women. Mm -hmm. That for a woman, she ought to be faithful to her man. But the man can like sleep with as many women he wants because right. he shows. And I thought, what? So I just debated douche. a gentleman about that last yeah. week. I was not expecting to. How did you debate him? Well, <laughs> so I, I agreed to do the whatever podcast. I don't know if you've heard okay. of it. Okay. Let's just so take a pause. Okay. Let's find it. Because I'm pretty sure that whatever podcast is despicable. Because here's what it seems to me to do. Mm-hmm. And I know the fella's probably going to watch. So I'm going to call it despicable anyway. It seems like. It takes the anger of young men and directs it at, at vulnerable at, at stu- women. That's stu- stupid. No, that's too harsh a word. Just okay. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Well, women. no, vulnerable is too sympathetic. Okay. There is like an unintelligent. They're culpable women somewhat. that they put on the show mm-hmm. with like cleavage. That seems to be there. Well, basically, the the trope you could say is they take only fans. Oh, is that what? It is? So I got no idea about it. You tell yeah. me what it is. Um, well, they do. They've done. I think they're kind of figuring themselves out. Basically. I hope that they crash and burn. Oh, I found pen. it. You're just not in the title. So oh. I think that there's some people involved with good intentions at the podcast, but it's creating a space where you're having conversations that are not really happening anywhere else on the internet. At least I haven't seen. Okay. Maybe that's way too optimistic about it. <laughs> Do you um, agree with my assessment that it takes these women yeah. and just makes fun of them and it just feeds oh, yeah. angry men? I, th- like, yeah, I, think, I think it does a lot of that, but I think they also are having 
real, I mean, they had um, Michael Knowles on. I mean, he's a guy, he's not a woman, but they had, um, they're having women on that are not that category of women. But did they so. then pit you against these poor girls who've never really thought through these issues to make I them look silly? I felt more, if I was pitted, it was more, I was actually debating against this gentleman who was there for the sort of pro uh -huh. promiscuity route. Okay. So I don't know, maybe that was unusual for the podcast because their other episodes don't typically do that. But basically I ended up having a sort of exchange with a guy that is part of that kind of Andrew Tate world. Um, his name's Justin and he seemed like a very nice guy when I met him, but he basically said on the show that he thinks women should be faithful, but men don't wow. need to be. How convenient. But, but unfortunately there's these kind of guys, I think there's a, there, it's kind of a growing mantra. This is like, this some, is actually what effeminate men look like. How you should, go, you should go on the podcast. This is what effeminate men look like. Men who, mm. when Aquinas uses the word effeminacy, and he'll, I don't know what the Latin is, but he uses it to mean men who do not, do not mm. persevere in what they are called to because it's difficult. Yeah. And it seems to me a man who says, I'm going to sleep around and that this is manly is an well, effeminate Well, the sad thing, thing about say. it too is like the Andrew Tate presentation is very macho. Right, it's highly macho. It's I don't all really, about. Not, I don't know much about it. I only discovered, like, started learning about it maybe six months ago because it's seeping into, I think, some parts of conservatism. Yeah. Where I oh, see some God, conservative commentators praising some of the things that Andrew Tate says mm -hmm. because he's getting so, he's just getting more influential, I guess. And then I was like, okay, who, who's this person that's influencing people? Okay. And then you go look at the stuff that he says, and you're like, what? What is this? And like, what does it's he very say? misogynistic. Okay. I mean, it's it's very. And watch, I mean, I I'm curious what your your folks are going to say, your your podcast listeners. But okay. um, there's a lot of Andrew Tate fans that are very bought into his presentation of manliness. And so they don't like anybody criticizing him mm. because they think people are too highly critical of men in our culture anyways. Oh, get over it. Like and a so, soft reaction from men. Thursday, yeah. am I wrong? I know you're the Gen Z guy, so maybe like I'm misinterpreting this. But if no, you're a dude I who don't. can't handle criticism and okay, like can't be faithful, but the reason Andrew Tate is popular mm -hmm. is because we are in a society that is blaming all societal ills on men, and he's the only one refusing at all to apologize. And men who feel hurt run to that. I'm not saying it's yeah. right, but that's the yeah. reason. It's not because they can't take criticism; it's because he's the only one refusing to take any, and they want that. Okay. Well, I think it's because they're looking for an identity and their identity is just getting crushed mm. by society. That's what they feel, may feel. Yeah. And so Andrew Tate is promising this very masculine identity that doesn't apologize for itself, including its own faults. Mm. See, and this, is what, this is what happens when you don't accept the fall. Yes, it's Like true. we are broken men and women mm -hmm. and Christ wants to heal us so that mm -hmm. our desires can be in line with objective reality. Mm -hmm. And when you don't agree to the full, or if you don't mm -hmm. accept Christ as your savior, you end up justifying sexual sin and normalizing it, like I think Prager did mm -hmm. on my show, because what else are you mm -hmm. going to do? Yeah, but. it's true. It's true. But I think that the the advantage is when you have someone who is at least active in an ideology period and they're like online doing stuff mm -hmm. and there's crossover happening where their ideas are being challenged, they'll watch that which is back to the whatever podcast, the reason I agreed to go on, because it was like 
four hours. I so, mean, it was a long. I want you to. I, I, I don't want to cut you off, but I do just want to insert yeah. something real quick. Like I'm all for open discussions, mm-hmm. especially about things that we're not talking about, and mm-hmm. obviously there can be merit in that. But the only thing I've seen in this whatever podcast, mm-hmm. it was like 20 seconds, was mm-hmm. these guys who brought on women who didn't know what they were talking about, mm-hmm. and they made them look stupid. Well, I think they brought on brought bring on a lot of people, men and women, who don't know what they're talking oh, okay. about. But I don't think that they think all of them don't know what they're talking about. Does that make sense? No, I know that. But you should know that they don't and not just bring them on to look well, stupid. Well, I think the host, again, not no offense to the host, but I don't know that the host has a fully developed Is he a view. Christian? I don't think so. Mm. Yeah. That would help. Yeah. So tell us about Well, if what... he was a Christian, I don't think the show would be the way that it is. Okay. So tell us about oh, you how, how you went on, what so, that was like. Well, I went on it and um, they had the kind of cast of different folks that were living kind of their own version of, I guess you could say the dating world, OnlyFans. I mean, that kind of, it's under the dating cover, but obviously OnlyFans is just prostitution, like yes. a form of, it's pornography. Yeah. Um, and then they had this guy who's a friend of Andrew Tate's on. I'm not sure why he was on, but he was on to kind of talk about his view on dating. In the Chiron, friend of Andrew Tate. (laughs) That's how I, I mean, his name is Justin, but he was very proudly a friend of Andrew Tate. Like close, they they do business together, I I think. So that got me interested because I was like, okay, let's let's see what your worldview is all about. Like, what is this, what is this about? Because they say a lot of things that sound conservative. Like he was saying pornography is a menace. So he was like disagree. He was telling the OnlyFans ladies that pornography is a menace and they shouldn't be doing pornography. So I was like, okay. And then he's saying at the same time that he would go on and have multiple, he, he would be, he thinks it's okay to have multiple women as a man, mm-hmm. but women just need one man. So it's, it's actually, I think the root of it is Islam because I think Andrew Tate converted to mm-hmm. Islam and yeah, they permit polygamy. So that's mm-hmm. where it comes from, where they kind of put a veneer of even religiosity on it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he did that, but I think that's what Tate does. It's almost a veneer of religiosity on yeah. what is effectively promiscuity. Yeah, it justifies your weakness. Yeah. And it makes it look yeah. virtuous. Yeah. We need Wojtyla. Yeah, He's the solution. Do. Yeah, personalism. Absolutely, mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, utilitarianism. Objectivi- objectification, yeah. So it's yeah. like you encounter a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I either see you as an object mm-hmm. or as a person. Mm-hmm. If you are an object, then the utilitarian response is, how are you useful for mm-hmm. me? Uh, but if you're a person, the question is, how can I honor you? Mm. One ends in egoism, one in altruism. And that also is because that exists in a Christian marriage. I think it's deeply um, shocking to like the Andrew Tates of the world, mm. because in their view, you had this particular gender role that you play within marriage very strictly. Mm. And so there's no space for flexibility or for seeing the other person in their, whatever their uniqueness is. It's like, you are, the, you must be the feminine as I understand it to be. And I will be the masculine as I understand it to be yeah. instead of you are a person first. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this idea that being a female is its own species, as opposed mm-hmm. to we both share human nature. We have more things that are alike than different. Yes, men and women are very different, but we actually are more alike as human beings than we are different. Mm-hmm. So it's, but it's a reaction, right? To like the breaking yeah. down of yeah. the feminine and the masculine in our culture. But there's a overreaction, yes. which is hyper feminization and hyper masculinity. What does hyper feminization look like? 
Well, I mean, it's definitely like the, the costume of it would be a man, you know, who says they're trans woman dressing up and mm-hmm. this is the costume of a woman, right? You could say that could be an image of it. But I think in the, I mean, this might be a bit controversial, but I think in the, even in sort of parts of the Catholic world, there's a temptation to hyperfeminize, which would be to say, if you're a woman, then you belong in this, within a stereotype where you belong, you know, it's like in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, you should not work outside of the home. Mm-hmm. Um, you should, you know, typically homeschooling is best. Um, you should be the one who cooks. You should be the one who cleans. Uh, your husband is the one who brings in money mm-hmm. and sort of is this protector figure and you do the entire household. Mm-hmm. So it's a rigidity about gender roles in general. You know, I think these are, these are conversations that have to be had and they're worth having. My fear is that we're not gentle in having them. Mm. Uh, people come out swinging it's instead true. of realizing it's that true. we're all part of a broken culture that yeah. no longer knows what men and women are. Yeah, it's true. And, and could you, I'm open to being led, but mm. don't come out and call people names because mm. they haven't figured it out as yeah. well as you think you have. And also that, I mean, there are a lot of ways to be a woman. Uh, and I know that sounds like, well, the whole trans thing, it's like, well, you know, what are you saying? Womanhood is, you know, womanhood, obviously it's your biology, but how you live out your femininity is gonna look different for different women. There will be some through themes of how it looks. There'll be a lot of nurture, um, there'll be tenderness, but there's different kinds of women. Like, I mean, look at the saints, mm-hmm. look how different they are. Mother Teresa versus Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. They couldn't be more different yeah, in, of in terms of yeah. Teresa of Lisieux. Yeah, I mean, versus like St. Teresa of Avila, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have the same sanctity, the same holiness. They both, they all had virtues, courage and love, yeah. but the way that they looked, the yeah. way they dressed, it's the way they like, interacted in society, it what, looked very different. I mean, St. Joan of Arc, I mean, I think that's such a, she's such a, she's my confirmation saint. Beautiful, my wife's too. She loves her. <laughs> yeah, all the Catholic girls are like, yeah. St. Joan of Arc, be yes. bold. <laughs> work and God will work, act and God will act. That was actually in my speech this morning. Beautiful, um, beautiful. But I mean, look what she did. I mean, I think it's actually for any, for us listening as women and men, you know, we talk about what is the ideal woman, what is the ideal man? And I think they look very different. They all have virtue though. And for St. Joan, you know, she literally wore armor. She led men in battle. She was stood up to the powers that be in an incredible way. In a way she even stood up to the church. I mean, the church obviously betrayed her. Those in power in the church mm-hmm. at the time betrayed her. Um, she was martyred ultimately, mm-hmm. but what she did was very activistic. It was very military. Mm-hmm. It was not your typical icon of femininity, but she was 100% a woman mm-hmm. and a woman to be emulated. And so I think we have to reject the nonsense of our culture today when it comes to- um, Men and women are identical. Yeah, men and yeah. women are identical or your biology doesn't determine your sex. Like, you don't know, your biology is your sex, but perhaps the culture's uh, excess in this direction, right? So the whole transgender, the gender, um, you know, gender ideology is a reaction to too rigid of gender roles of what mm-hmm. a man or a woman are supposed to look like. Yeah, it's and like so we're putting the cart before the horse, eh? Like yeah. holiness brings about the full flourishing of our personalities, mm-hmm. you might say, but it can be dangerous when you have an idea of what mm-hmm. a holy woman looks like and you try to emulate that when that's not really your personality. Yeah. That's I, true. I, I That's actually a spe- very good point, Matt. Speaking to a lovely woman who was mm-hmm. uh, who was part of a missionary team, and she's this. She's just her name's Renee Bennett. Mm-hmm. Renee Doyle. Now shout out to her. Beautiful mm-hmm. woman, powerful in the most beautiful mm-hmm. feminine way. Um, just funny and loud mm-hmm. and good. And um, 
she said to me that she would encounter these other women who are very kind of quiet and like pious in the way we think of piety and that she just so she thought i gotta i gotta be that and she said it like killed her like she tried it for several months and yeah well I, that's what i love being catholic because there's space in catholicism for everyone mm. for every personality for different kinds of callings for different mm -hmm. states of life there's a place for everyone mm-hmm and by everyone, I don't mean sin, you know, mm -hmm. people actively living in sin unrepentantly, right? Obviously we have to repent and try again every day, but that's the beauty of the, it is a diverse an incredibly diverse faith. I mean, Catholic means universal and you go anywhere in the world and you'll hear the mass in all different mm -hmm. languages. It's the same mass. So we serve the same God, but we do it in all different ways. My wife so. and I were talking about the uh, husbands love, wives submit. Mm. And, oh, that's a topic. And what we've decided. I have a lot of opinions on that. Oh, and I'm happy to hear them. But yeah. uh, what, what we kind of come to is if I'm focused, mm. if I'm not so mm. much focused on you got to submit, I'm focused on how do I love you? How do I pour of my course. life out for yeah. you? And if she's focused on how do I submit to your authority and she's not so much, that's when it works. Mm. It's like I'm, I want to give of myself to you. Like. Mm. But, but but no woman should want to submit mm. to a tyrant or someone who uses a Bible verse to to unleash his sexual perversion upon his wife or mm. to walk over her. And my fear is that mm. you might be we might be seeing some of that stuff coming out. In I think we do. I think we are seeing that. Um, and I hear horror stories that are real stories of those verses being weaponized. And I, you know, I have a lot of opinions because I see sort of in the, different mindsets and worldviews that are bubbling up around us yeah. in our culture, what people are doing with that Bible verse, right? Both for good and for bad. And when I say for good, I mean, yes, you know, there is an order in marriage, which is that the, the man is the head of the household and that's beautiful and God's created it that way. And, you know, he's, if there's a, an intruder downstairs, and you hear noise. And a man you know? tells his wife to go check on it. Like, then that's not okay. We all know that. I know. We should all know the that. man is the first to get up and go take the blow. Yeah. If there's a blower, figure out what's going on. And when you're having a baby, the woman's having the baby. Mm. And the woman's nurturing that baby more, more than the man. Now, mm -hmm. we nurture in different ways, but in a unique way. And so there is a reality to those roles in marriage, those ways we live out our femininity or masculinity in marriage. But I think we can take it a step too far and we use it it's been weaponized to cover up for some really dark things mm -hmm. where men who have i mean I, I run across this but men who have actual you know porn addictions or they have their own um, wounds and so they're basically in their marriage getting married and then using their wives mm -hmm. as an outlet for as an lust. outlet and yeah. they're kind of using that verse of well i'm the man and you're the, you're to submit to me, and it's it's disgusting. So that exists, and yes. that's where all of these things. I mean, do, you, do who do you think is doing a good job of explaining these nuances to people? Because I, I feel like there's not enough voices. I feel like Christopher like, West and Jason Everett. Uh, Jason is fantastic. Uh, Jason's fantastic. Christopher, I would like I would follow him to the ends of the mm. earth. But it it it. Like, fair enough, mm. right? We just like we're kind of living in America where everyone's being blamed on being mm -hmm. white. Right. If you're white, you're the problem. What are you talking mm -hmm. about? Okay. Um, we're, it's the same thing. Like, I mm -hmm. get it. Like, we are, we're being blamed for being men. Men are being blamed for being yeah, men. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. But then to react to that, where you can't mm -hmm. handle any criticism, mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's the softness you're mm -hmm. trying to avoid. Go on. Speak. 
<laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I, I agree with you. Yeah, you should, shouldn't be at a place where you can't take any criticism. But I, I think that, and this is not like to be offensive to either of you, but I think that when you spend time online, um, especially, and you're actually in the, the institutions that young people are in now, Mm-hmm. I think you would have a, I think you would, it's much worse than I think either of you two might know. What do you mean men, men, men are the, just the being male attacked? blaming. Yes. Because mm-hmm. I mean, there are like horror stories of like, I mean, have young you experienced boy, it Thursday? I mean, I, a little. Yeah. And when I was in college um, a couple of years ago before I dropped out, but like I've heard stories of like, Young boys. I love that you just added before I dropped out. Like, yeah, I'm very dude. proud of it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, keep going. I, I've keep heard going. horror stories of little boys who are obviously more active than little girls being, mm-hmm. you know, getting like, mm-hmm. like there are kindergartens and preschools mm-hmm. and young elementary and primary schools now. And part of the way they grade and decide if a kid is good or not is how, you know, quiet and submissive they are to the teacher. And it's like, yeah, that's messed up. And it's like, and these boys are naturally more active and mm-hmm. want to do more things. And they're, doing worse in school no but we but see we all know that like that's all that's all no one disagrees with you well i think no christian disagrees with you so what i'm saying is even if you're right Mm -hmm. and i agree that there's a lot of man shaming and like toxic Mm -hmm. masculinity but uh but that but to make that impervious to any criticism it's like someone who gets berated in a marriage continually mm -hmm. man or woman and Mm -hmm. then any legitimate thing they get told Mm -hmm. they can no longer hear because they've been berated. i'm not saying that we shouldn't do that but i'm just saying that it's it's really bad for these young kids especially the kids who have grown up in it they're more sensitive to it okay yeah i think i mean i think it's a dumpster i think it's a dumpster fire out there in many schools for both boys and girls but i think you're right in particularly that boys because there's so much of the girl power stuff and there's so much i mean literally affirmative action for women that has been aggressively done for the last few decades that men are suffering. I mean, I think that's a that's a fact that men are suffering today. They have the highest rates, I think, of suicide and mm-hmm. they incarceration. Are, incarceration, absolutely. They, they do the most dangerous jo- jobs. So men are definitely suffering. But what's the answer to a suffering that's man? Right. Do you take... Do you take the suffering and channel it towards domination? Domination and your lower passions. Or do you take yeah. the suffering and order it towards leadership and service? Yeah. And, Strength and, and on behalf a, of others. Mm-hmm. So that's where I, I mean, back to what I was asking earlier, like, where are the voices? I mean, obviously, someone like a Jordan Peterson, I think, has done a lot of good mm-hmm. yep. for men today. Yep. But there needs to be more voices speaking to men and speaking on these questions about submission and femininity yeah. and masculinity. And because otherwise people will listen to Andrew Tate. Yeah. People will listen to, uh, or, or gender ideology, right. Is the flip side you could argue. Yeah. And it's going to lead to a lot of more, a lot more suffering for people. All right, Lila. All right. You're lovely. Thank, thank you for, you. thank Thanks, you for being Matt. on the show. Finding out about authentic masculinity this week with pints with Aquinas. If you want to hear more of that conversation or future or previous episodes, you can always check us out online. Go to Podcast Central at EWTNRadio.net. And in the meantime, make sure you share with your friends and family as well, so that way they can also be encouraged in their faith. I'm Ace McCain. I'll see you back again next week as we dive into more great podcasts. And in the meantime, remember to let God define who you are. And I'll see you back on Catholics Coast to Coast.